Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hi, folks. Welcome to Making Data Simple. Al Martin here. This is where we try to make all tech simple. Hopefully, we're achieving our goal in some sense. I am with Scott Taylor, affectionately known as the Data Whisperer. Scott is a thought leader and a consultant on the strategic value of data management. He's a principal of MetaMeta Consulting. He practices data evangelism as a service. He's in the business, so to speak. We'll talk about that. He tells stories or he helps enterprise and tech brands tell their story by focusing on the why of business alignment rather than the how of the technical implementation. Again, we'll dive down on that as well. Work with a ton of global enterprises lives in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and somehow finds time to juggle pins and blow square bubbles. That we'll definitely have to figure out. Welcome, Scott. I thank you for being here as part of the podcast. Thank you, Al. Perfect introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Look, uh, thanks again. Uh, We've shared many notes, so I'm glad we're able to finally work it out. Yes, indeed. Yes, this is great. So give us a little bit of your background. Like, I know you to be in part of the business. I know that you have a YouTube channel. Watch several videos of you on YouTube, which are kind of interesting, and puppets and everything else. You make data fun. Anyway, I'll pause there. I'll let you introduce yourself. I try to make data fun, and I also try to make data simple, which is why I'm so excited to be on your show today, because that's what literally my purpose on Earth seems to be, is help people understand the value and the strategic importance of what can be looked at as the simplest kind of data, master data, reference data, metadata, the foundational content that makes everything else go. And so my experience is really in that space, data management versus business intelligence. And we can talk about those differences too, if you like, and worked with all kinds of enterprises, helping them understand that value, representing some great iconic data brands, myself, Nielsen, Dun & Bradstreet, WPP, a few other places, done some consulting, but always actually been on the selling or vendor side, but just am enamored with the practitioners out there who really know how to do what they do, but struggle a lot with how to articulate that to the business folks who have no time, but all the money they need to get that stuff done. So there's a, seems to be a niche for me there. Have you been in consulting most of your career? It's on and off. So I was on staff at Nielsen, probably the core of my career for 15 years. I helped create what is still their only master data content brand. So that was pretty exciting. It was actually before the term MDM even was established as a form of commercial software, but people were still talking about customer masters, chart of accounts, I look back and go, okay, you know, master data is like the oldest kind of data. It's a list of things. Did some consulting and then went to Dun & Bradstreet and doing consulting. And now I'm focused almost exclusively on kind of the content side, the fun side. As you mentioned, the puppet shows are a blast. And uh, I also write white papers, but the puppet shows get a lot better engagement. I'll tell you that. And it's funny. Hey, people want to have fun. They're all, they're in it for entertainment. Are you doing all the uh, voices on the puppets? I am. I do all the voices and I have three more episodes coming, all starring, of course, the chief dog officer, the CDO, the ITB, buzzwords and monkey business. So you got these three roles, right? This sort of straight man CDO. And then the IT guy is just filled with all kinds of technology. No, you know, 
terminology and stuff like that. And then the business guy is appropriately just like, hey, if big data is so big, how come I can't see it? So the next episode, they're going to call in a cat sultan from Meow Kinsey. So, you know, that's going to go wrong. Then they're going to review some uh, tools from Sales Fork and Microspoon. So and I don't want to give it all away, but there's more coming. And I've got, I'm casting some roles there too, if you're interested. I'm looking for some guest voices for sure, because I just don't have that much of a range. You are known as the data whisperer. And the only other whisperer I know of is the dog whisperer. Right. Talks to dogs. So do you talk to data, Scott? I talk to data. Don't we all talk to data? I think that's the horse whisperer too. So kind of inspired by that. Oh, the intention yeah. of both of those guys is to calm down their subject. So I look at data whispering as a way to calm data down. That's what we all do in the data management space. We've got to calm data down. Data is big and unstructured and messy and corrupt and crazy. And we got to calm it down. Basically how deep my moniker goes here. But people get a little smile when they hear about it. And I actually say we're all data whispers. If you're in the data management space, you are a data whisperer. I like to consider myself the data whisperer. So a little bit of branding there. But How long have you been in data? For 25 years, maybe 30, depending on how you count it. But the best parts of my career have always been in data. I've dabbled in other things and it's never really worked. So when I stuck with the data side, I started off in uh, advertising. I did okay there in B2B. And then I got into data, maybe three or four jobs in. And I just never looked back. But I feel like I'm sort of hardwired, especially for the taxonomy structural data space because my parents told me when I was a kid instead of building with my Lego blocks I sorted them so that's an early indication that you're in the data business if your kids sort their blocks they're going to be in the data business. <laughs> yeah, instead of building with them that's more analytics so well look I think the good news this is the golden age for data it I mean, is it's been the golden age we've got it I'm like 20 years into it data has always been the backbone of what I do as well so we're kindred spirits there I mean, so, people say um, data is the new oil, right? Forget about the oil part. I go, it's not even new. We were, we've always been doing it. Just people now recognize how yeah. important it is, and they're playing catch-up. So that's good. We and you, you and I are on the forefront of this. So let, let's, let's go into fundamentals here. Let's just, I'll throw you some softballs, and we can figure out where we go here. Yeah, how do you define data management? What's important to you? Why is it necessary? I mean, it sounds like to me in the intro there that you are – more interested or value the management versus, you know, even higher than the intelligence. I think some, because I, I kind of feel like I'm a standard bearer for that part of the business. So if you take the data technology space and then, you know, sort of look at it in kind of different hierarchical levels. So if you have data at the top, it's like the kingdom, then the phylum level is like data and analytics. And then below that is, data management and business intelligence and business intelligence has all its other iterations, artificial intelligence, ML, data science, visualization, all the stuff that people do with data, working with data. But then you go, all right, what about the stuff that you focus on to make that data good enough to be able to do things with it? And data management, I feel is kind of the unsung part of the space because data scientists raised almost a heroic stature in the business everybody talks about analytics and insight and wisdom and i they talk a lot about where data ends up so i look at myself as i'm more interested in where data starts 
got to start somewhere. So these journeys that everybody goes on, they're always talking about where we're going to end up. We're going to have this, you know, utopia of interoperability where data flows from insight to edge and our analytics graph hub fabric mesh and all this other cool, sexy stuff. And you go, well, where do you start? You got to start at the fundamentals. You can start at the basics. You got to get the foundation right. Otherwise, none of that stuff works. So the management piece later. is sexy to you, whereas the data science, the ML, the AI seems to be sexy in the market. But you're one of the guys that gets it. You got to get the foundation right. This is the same thing we often speak in data and AI, where you can't have AI without IA, information architecture. You right. Gotta get Right. Yeah. Everybody wants to get onto the sexy stuff, but then they figure out, hey, I've got a mess to clean up first. No, I've heard that sort of uh, partially palindromic phrase before, but I look at that and go, okay, yeah, that's right. That's some version. We all talk the same story, and I'm trying to make it a little more accessible to the business side because I feel like the data management troops out there aren't getting the support, aren't getting the funding, aren't getting the attention. And if you don't have the funding for that, a lot of those other things just simply do not work. It always comes back to that for me. So I really feel things like data management, that's macro trend agnostic. No matter where we were or where we are now or where we're going, you're still going to need the basic piece parts of what data management brings to your organization. Do you think most people get it, though? Like we say, no AI without IA, kind of a you know fun little saying. I've said this many times, even in this podcast, that the clients I'm working with on a regular basis. I mean, that's what it comes back to. Now, look, I can always find a, a model or use case we can trigger from. We got to start with that data. In terms of data being the new oil, have you heard the story of, of Signet Bank? No, but I, I can't stand the phrase data is the new oil. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I, I understand you can explain that in a minute. Uh, and look, this may not be the best example, but in the 1980s, data science had transformed to, you know, they were transforming customer credit. And the banks, you know, really surrounded two things. They didn't have an adequate information system to deal with different pricing at scale. And they didn't believe customers would stand for price discrimination. Credit cards had essentially uniform pricing. And then around 1990, two guys, Richard Fairbanks and Nigel Morris, come along and they say, you know what? We can do more sophisticated predictive modeling, you know, with the right data. And they went to a Virginia bank called Signet Bank, and the Signet Bank said, "We're in on that. Come in and help us." And the difference is nobody else would do it. They would do it. The catch was they didn't have the data either. So in other words, they were going to have to start playing with different terms to random customers to get the data they were likely to lose money. I mean, that's the problem. So this company went from a industry leading charge off rate of like 2.9 to like 6%. It was like unheard of. And the shareholders were going, what are you doing? But they were buying data. Hmm. And ultimately they bought that data so that they knew what it took, what the terms were preferable to certain clients. They ended up being, you know, their charge off rate went back to industry leading, leading all the big banks and they were stealing uh, their clients. And nobody knows the Signet Bank, but the catch is everybody knows Capital One. Uh, and that's where Capital One got started because these guys went off and did their own thing or they spun off. But, I mean, that's an example of the value of data. But I don't know that everybody gets it. And that's part of the challenge, right? Just even data in general. And we can pick apart analytics versus data and data management and so on. And I think part of the problem is there's too much bickering between those groups. Before I dive into that, 
we're still defending it. We're still going up to boards and senior leaders and business folks and defending the concept of why data is important for an organization. They don't do that for marketing. They don't do that for sales. You don't have the finance department every year going, finance is really important for the organization. We got to make sure we have financial discipline and financial management. No, but that happens at companies still. And they still don't know what to do with it. It's too much project orientation rather than a program. It's not strategic. And I look at it and go, data, whether you want to call it oil or bacon or tofu or currency or gold or whatever metaphors you want to use there, it can do for an organization multiple things in ways that other parts of the organization can't. So I'm, you know, yes, a golden age of data, absolutely. But what else can you put in an organization that will help it grow, that will help it improve, and that will actually help it protect itself all at the same time? There's not a single department that can do that other than, for lack of a better term, the data department. This is a great pivot to the data whisperer. Hmm. And, you know, don't don't let me put words in your mouth. But uh, from what I know, I mean, this is why you're on this campaign called data storytelling, or at least the concept of data storytelling. Am I right? And what is data storytelling, which is probably the hottest non-technical thing out there in the data space. There's tons of books, dozens of experts. And I look at it as I often do with anything new and big and go, okay, what's that about? And I bet I'm not going to find data management in there. And I looked at data storytelling and data literacy and admired all these people doing all this wonderful stuff and went, where's the voice of data management? It's not there. So data storytelling in its kind of classic current sense is about using data analytics, business intelligence to drive action in an organization, data literacy, understanding the use of statistics and metrics and so on. But there's a part of data storytelling that I think is also important, not a zero-sum game here, which is the story about the data. Why is it important for our organization to have this data foundation? Why should you support data management? It goes directly into my space So I'm out there saying, you know, you got to tell two kinds of data stories, one with data and then one about data, which I'm kind of the only guy out there really hanging that that sign up, happy to have more in the group. But that's sort of my focus. And even when you look at a data story from analytics, the way I like to put it is the plot of that story comes from analytics, but the characters come from data management. If a data story is our market share is down in our top regions. So that's a headline story. I mean, all these stories are really not fairy tales or comedies or epics. They're business observations. Market share down in the top regions. There's a lot of structured data behind that single statement. Regions, what are they? They're geographies. How do we define them? We've organized them. We've ranked them by what's top and what's bottom by a set of common definitions that everybody who hears that agrees to. Our market share, which means the products we make and the brands we represent within a defined category are ranking and have a percentage of volume versus other products and brands that we've determined are within the same universe. All that stuff comes from data management. That's all customers, vendors, partners, products, services, offerings, categories, geographies, entities. You can't tell that story without having proper data management. So I think there's a place 
I don't think, I know there's a place in all of this data storytelling in the two iterations, one about the data, why do we need data management? And one, even in the analytics story that says, okay, the characters that you're talking about come from us too, that needs to just get more focus and more attention. Make sure I get this right. You know, when you're talking about a data story, you're saying, hey, with the data is around analytics and about the data is your characters, if you will, not the plot. The plot is with data. The characters in your analogy are is, is about the data and it's around data management. Yeah. And you yeah. spend a lot of your time on the data management side. So you set the foundation to make the plot work. Absolutely. So a business glossary that contains a lot of a company's characters, right? Here's how we define a customer. Here are the relationships we have and how we organize them and how we segment them and what geographies they're in. And they're not duplicated because we've done proper data management to unduplicate our master files. All that stuff happens way before you get to analytics or should. Otherwise, that stuff is ends up being wrong. So you get a plot that's hidden in left field. You don't even know what they're saying. Yeah. Right, I got it. Well, you mentioned structured data, but look, half the world or a lot of the world today is unstructured data. How does that fit into the scenario you just described? You got to structure it if you want to get value out of it. I, there's probably people with, you know, triple PhDs who will argue with me all day, but most of the time, most of the data that most companies use or most of what they do is structured data. And the better structured it is, the more value they get out of it. So they'll get unstructured data, but what do they try to do with it? They try to find something in there. How do you find that in that thing in there if you don't know what that thing is? So you've got to have that structure and it feels that structured data works harder than unstructured data. And there's lots of opportunities in the unstructured data space, but you've got to put some kind of, you know, semi-structured, demi-structured, whatever you want to call it, some kind of structure around it to get reporting, to get analytics, to do the things that most companies are, like I said, spending most of their time doing, you know, your, your quarterly reports for your executive team, that is highly structured data. Say on that D you talked about. I'm working with a company. They're bringing you in. We say, look, I, he I heard your podcast, but look, we do a bunch of images. Maybe we do insurance. We're taking pictures of cars before or after a, an accident. It's all unstructured. That's why we invented Hadoop. That's why we got NoSQL. We got all kinds of ways to address the unstructured data. What would your answer be? Uh, yeah. So what do those things do with that unstructured data? How do you know it's a car? You have a structured piece of data that says that image is a car. So you're always pulling it back from structure. I'm, all, I'm always coming back there. Yeah, that's it. So I'll, I only talk about one thing and I always bring it back and I probably over rotate on it, you know, dramatically because I feel so much of it isn't brought to the foreground and gets kind of swept under and doesn't get the attention, doesn't get the funding, doesn't get the strategic support. And that kind of work is really hard. And it is super important for an organization to have a common language, to have consistent hierarchies, to have segmentations and geographies that people can depend on. It's important for ecosystems to have some sort of standards to allow and drive interoperability between parties to get many, many, many things done. I think that stuff is, is as valuable as anything else. And no matter what, if you don't have it, you can't do the other thing. But how do you sell that to the C-suite? I got to believe you're walking into the C-suite. They just want to solve a business problem. Maybe it's yeah. customer churn or otherwise. 
Last thing I want to do is you, have you come in and tell them, hey, we can do that, but you've got to redo all your, your data, get it structured. You want to get a catalog, et cetera, so that you know that you can trust the data. That's like money, money, money in their mind. They say, I just want to get my answer. I thought we already had all this information. I'm the why, not the how. So I don't have to do sort of the ROI analysis, but I help the people tell the story because a lot of folks will walk in there and they'll start showing, you know, here's the 15 catalogs we got to fill out and reference data architecture and all these APIs don't work. And people are, you know, they're nodding their heads, but they're nodding off inside. And so I start with the premise of, okay, what does this company do? And because I've worked across so many different kinds of companies and what I really like to do is boil things down to their essence. So if you look at any company, it's, basic reason for being is to deliver value to their relationships through their brand at scale. So if you want to do it at scale, you need technology. If you have technology, you need data. So let's take a look. If you agree that we have relationships and that's the most important thing we have in our organization and we bring value to those relationships through our brands, which we're really proud of. And that's important. You know, brands can be product services, offerings, whatever that deliverable is. Let's take a look at the data behind those concepts. How is the data about our relationships? Well, we got 15 different ways to define customer. You have 150 duplicates of our biggest account. You've got vendors that we're buying from two different divisions and we don't know it. So we're not getting the efficiencies we need. There's lots of things that can come out of that, but I don't start with, you know what you need? You need master data management. They're like, I, get out of here. So it's really trying to talk the business side and everybody has relationships where it becomes really fun is, okay, what do they call their relationships? Do they call it customer or client or partner or citizen or patient or, you know, what is the relationship nomenclature? What do they call their brand? Is it a product? Is it a banner? Is it a location? Is it an offering? Is it delivered as a tangible good? Is it delivered digitally through an as-a-service experience? But I can draw really a dark line from the value of any as-a-service offering or any transformative customer experience or any foray into e-commerce or any implementation of any enterprise software package and say, okay, those are directly linked to the value of the output from your data management practice. It's directly. So you can't launch that new e-commerce initiative unless you've got the right product data structured. You can't go into an as a service model, which your board thinks is super strategic and gets at all different kinds of pricing and, and, and different value creation, unless you have that structured data behind it that makes that work. So I try to aim for what's the company already trying to do. None of them are, to your point, no company out there is saying in their annual report, we're going to build a data catalog. That's the top, you know, no, it's on the top hundred list, it doesn't even make it. But you look for what they are trying to do already, and you can find the data reasons behind it, the structured data things that make that go. And that's when you come in and help out. Yeah, that's when I come in and say, okay, how do we win the hearts and minds of those folks? How do we get them to realize, all right, give me, I do it almost, it's a parlor game. I love it. It's like, show me your annual report. Show me, best one is, show me your investor day presentation. And I will find enough hooks in that to prove 
the value and the importance of data management, and you won't even have the words data management in there. So we're going to grow by merger and acquisition. Bingo. It's like checkmate. It's already over. So you're going to have, you know, 15 companies you're going to buy. You're going to have a mess in the customer side. You're doing it because you want greater efficiency and broader reach and a bigger footprint. And you're going to have people calling on the same place without knowing it. You know, the, the mayhem begins right away. So I just seem to be able to see that. And having done it so many times, you start to see these patterns, you see these clues, you see these motifs. And most of the people I talk to are doing it like for the first time or maybe the third time. And so it just, that's where my expertise comes in. Then when they say, okay, this is awesome. How do you do it? I go, all right, take it away. That's not me. I don't want to, you know, I'm not the guy. So, you know, do we need a business glossary? Yes. So on-prem or cloud? Sure. Whatever. But I'm not that guy. I'm the guy to say, in the, you know, literally the elevator with the CEO, let's talk about how you're delivering value to your relationship through your brands and data behind it and how we make that work. So you can do that at scale. So I appreciate you listening to the podcast. You're a data nerd like me. I've listened to yours as well. And there was one interesting, well, there's a lot of interesting nuggets, but I wanted to test you on your own. I don't want to say rhetoric, but your own philosophy. Uh Oh, you have a a core manifesto. You have to determine the truth first before you derive meaning. Truth is, Data management, meaning is business intelligence. If you have to do it in that order, it is not chicken or egg here. It is egg and omelet, truth first, then meeting. Because, you know, what one of my big headlines is good decisions made on bad data are just bad decisions you don't know about yet. So you've got to have the truth first before you derive meaning. That leads me right into bad data ideas. What does not work? What are you seeing out there that maybe people think works, but does not work? What doesn't work, I think, is leading with all these kind of analytical insights without having the data to back it up. What I found doesn't work, and when I was talking before about kind of this rivalry, which I think is not needed between analytics and data, is you hear analytics leaders. I've been at conferences where they say things like, data's worthless without analytics. You know, data is just a cost center. I heard on one of your podcasts, I forget it. The guy said it really pissed. Like data is a cost, insights, you know, value. And I yelled back at the, you didn't hear me because it's recorded. But I'm like, no, it isn't. Like, why do you have to say it that way? Why does it have to be adversarial? And people are doing great work in the data management space, building a foundation so the analytics folks can actually turn it into the other value. I'm not saying it's not valuable, but would you ever hear a baker get up and say, this flour is worthless until I make it into bread? No, they wouldn't because they respect the ingredients. And that's what I'm looking for. If I have kind of a mission as part of it, it is to get respect and a proper place for the strategic value of data management and get their seat at the table. And when I hear about data scientists spending, you know, between 60 and 150% of their time doing munging and wrangling, I've talked to some of them and I said, so what's the problem? Well, you know, we have a lot of duplicates or the hierarchies are missing, or, you know, segmentation's wrong, or geographies, these are really, again, basic data management objectives are to clean that stuff up. So I wonder how many data scientists are working and collaborating with their data management peers to make sure they get the right content to do some of this stuff. I'm not going to get rid of all the munging, but there's got to be some solutions out there that reduce all of that time. So if I'm trying to get my data management 
or my, uh, well, my data estate right to modernize. A lot of, you hear that a lot. Clients are looking to modernize their data estate to make it ready for AI. What is the best way that you suggest, you know, companies tackle this problem and what are you seeing out there? You got to have a serious initiative around data management. You've got to have, you got to break through a lot of this dissonance that happens within organizations around, we all have our own special view and we keep this data to ourselves and you got to cut across those classic silos to say, you know, enough of this. Let's get, and I said it before, like, let's get most of the data right for most of the time for most of what we do. Start at the top. Do we have our biggest relationships structured in a right way so we can make the most of them in whatever, however you define that? Do we have our brand data organized and defined enough so we can do the things operationally and analytically that we need to do? So I'm not, you know, I can be fun with puppets, but I don't have a, when I talk about the stuff that I feel like organizations have to do, it's like, oh, gee. And, but if you want healthy data, it's like a healthy body. There's no shortcut. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. Nobody wants to do that stuff. Most of the time, it's not the fun stuff, but there's not a data management leader out there who doesn't understand that. And so you've got to get that discipline, you know, data governance, data stewardship, all those things that sometimes feel like they're really imposing on an organization. All you got to do is look at the great disruptors out there. They have really well-governed, expertly stewarded, highly structured data behind the scenes at Amazon, at Uber, at Airbnb. That stuff works like that at Netflix. It works like that because they have that data structure. It, and it doesn't work if you don't. So if you aspire to be like those kinds of companies or have an experience that's similar to those, they didn't build it with the fancy stuff first. They had to have that, those definitions right, those hierarchies right, taxonomies, all that other stuff. What is the one thing you'd like our, our listeners to take away, understand? If you were to just summarize essentially our discussion, we're only talking at a high level. And next, the, the follow-on question, where can folks find you? Uh, where should they go to get more information, more details? I think, again, the important thing, and I've said it a million times, truth before meaning, get the data right and everything else is better. Better data is better. It may seem almost too simplistic, but it's so true. The ingredients, the you know, the quality of what you end up with is based directly on the ingredients you put in. We haven't said garbage in, garbage out yet, but we've said it a million times. And back to my part of my premise, if GIGO worked, as a pitch, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. So a lot of the group I talk to, they just think all they have to do is say, G-I-G-O, that's the problem. Like, okay, but I still didn't get it. You still didn't get the funding. You know, important to remember that data layer. Integration isn't done until the data is integrated. It's not, you know, get the, and get the basics right there. It goes back to the question, where can folks find more about you, Scott? Sure. So I've got, as you mentioned, I've got a YouTube channel. I've got about 50 videos on there of all different types from puppets and cartoons to a little more serious uh, takes on, on stuff. So I pride myself on my range. I'm also on LinkedIn, plenty of stuff up there, kind of growing following, which has really been thrilling and exciting over the last couple of years to, to have that happen and have people have my opinion and my approach resonate with just literally a global audience 
which proved one of my early observations, which is the problems and the challenges that and the opportunities that these enterprises have are much more the same than they are different at this level. So LinkedIn, I've got a website, but it's still under construction, metameta.com. But Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer, you Google me, I come up above the fold now. Hooray, a little organic work has been happening. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Find me on LinkedIn. Please follow me there for sure. I'm going to find more about uh, trust over uh, over meaning if I go to the YouTube channel. Right? Truth over meaning. It's all over there. How do I blow a square bubble? It's actually probably more of a bubble cube, but you blow six bubbles that are attached to each other, two on the top and four around the side. You can't see all the gesticulation I'm doing, but I'm showing you with my hands that are impossible to see. <laughs> then inside you put a little straw through the bubbles, which if you have enough technique, you can actually pierce a bubble with a straw, but you put the, the straw in the middle and you blow gently and a square, a cube will appear in the middle. The only time I've ever smoked cigarettes literally is to do this trick too, because if you use smoke, it just is particularly exciting. So that's how you blow a square bubble or a bubble cube. So kids, if you're wanting to get That's into right, smoking, yeah. <laughs> blow some square bubbles. Why don't you have this on one of your videos? I should do that. Yeah. Cause, oh, it's more personal. No, I should do that. Yes, you're right. I should do that. I'm going to take your You're into puppets. My God, you should be able to blow a square, square bubble. bubble. I got to relate it to master data somehow. So that's my challenge you've given me here, but I'll try and do that. All right. Look, I appreciate you being on. I did enjoy the puppet. It was one of these things where I'm watching it and it's like a, uh, I can't stop watching it. Oh, good. Like, Watch it again. So if that was beers. your goal. Very well done. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Be next. But hey, look, entertainment. Like we start, we started. We'll end with. I think you know people are looking a little bit of uh, entertainment. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. We ran a little long today. Scott, we'll put all the information that we talked about in the show notes so people can uh, reach out to you and and see your uh, YouTube channel. But look, anybody that appreciates data the way you do is good in my book. Thank you, Al. So thanks so much. And I know you didn't ask, but KC Barbecue is the best. Oh, so yeah. You see, Kate likes the one I asked. It. it is the best. Thank you. Now I even love you more. There you go. You're in Connecticut. Do you have barbecue in Connecticut? Oh, you got, I mean, for me too, it's like, what kind of bar? Anything. I'm in Connecticut or I'm in New England. We don't have a lot of barbecue here, but. Uh, so you've been on the East Coast. You've been on the West Coast. What do you like better? Oh, East Coast. I love where I am. I love it. I love it in Connecticut. It's You're going to tick off your whole family. You know this, right? Yeah, I know. Well, they're, they're spread out. Half's in the East and half's in the in the West. But yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to leave here. I had several like, uh, would you rather? You, we already went through them. So one of them was structured versus unstructured. Yeah, like bingo, structured all the way. Yeah, I know that. Hey, we didn't ask this, but maybe I should. A cloud versus on-prem? I'm like, who cares? I mean, it's like put your stuff somewhere where you can get to it and... I look at that and go, okay, I guess cloud's better for a lot of things people have to do. But if the data's not right and it hasn't well organized, then it doesn't matter. You just put everything, you know, if I take all my junk in my attic and my basement and throw it in a third-party storage facility and I haven't sorted through it, then I guess my junk is more accessible. But do the data work first. Look, thank you again for being on. I appreciate it. Again, thanks, Scott. You're a good man. 
Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Oh.